0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Today, we've got a nuclear revenge story against that one housemate. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, it is always the ones closest to you. Why is it that it's the people who are the closest to you that seems to find a way to hurt you in the place that you would most definitely feel it the most? I guess that's why the saying goes, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. The same could be said about the situation that transpired between my best friend, whom I was the closest with at the time, which was back then when we were in high school. I would most definitely not have guessed that in any reality that she would betray me the way that she did. And the worst part of it all is that, for one, she did not even feel a bit remorseful or regrettable of her actions. And secondly, she did it without a second thought. As to whom it was that she had done such a thing to, I guess all I was to her was just an expendable friend that could be tossed aside whenever the time came for her to protect herself and her integrity. Naturally, I'm not the kind of person or friend to hold a grudge to someone the way I did, and for how long I did. But, it just goes to show you how deeply she truly hurt me, and how well driven and motivated I was to making sure that I got back at her. To make you understand what truly happened, I have to take you back to the very beginning where it all started. Hi, my name is Zoe, I'm the first daughter of my father and the younger sister to three older brothers. My mom had my first brother when he was still in college, and my dad had already decided and made up his mind right then and there that he was going to make her his wife by all means necessary, and they got married as planned right after the both of them had gotten their degrees and graduated from college. It didn't take them very long after having my eldest brother Matthew that my mother conceived my second brother, and within the span of which my second brother was born, my third brother followed in succession. I guess you could say that they were really trying for a female child at the time, because on the fourth trial they got me, And since then, I don't think that both my parents were ready to get another child again. Being the only female child in such a chaotic household growing up, I'd always had this certain obsession or inclination towards guys. I would view most guys at times as my little brother or my elder brother, as the case may warrant it. You could say that my reason for this ideology was based off the fact that I grew up alongside three elder brothers of different, yet alike, and chaotic personalities. Once, when my first brother Matthew and my third brother Jonah were in an altercation between each other, the argument got so intense, so much so that when my second brother Andrew tried to intervene and stop things from escalating further than it already had, he almost got injured as things had already started to get near physical and then I stepped in, knowing fully well that no matter how serious the fight was going to get, they would never do anything at all to hurt me. Every single time I do this, I always feel scared because I only ever step in when the situation is already getting too serious, which has happened more times than I can count. Anyways, growing up with 3 elder brothers has its perks and its demerits. Some of the perks of having 3 brothers is that for one, I know for a fact that being the only girl in the family and their only sister, they tend to be overly protective of me at all times. I usually enjoyed this when I was little because it had always made me feel like I was being protected by my very own personal bodyguards, like I usually saw in the movies. This was one of the things I'd usually brag to my friends in the street about, but one demerit of having three brothers in my life growing up was having to put up with three different yet very alike brothers in the same house, and this occurred very frequently, seeing as my parents were scarcely around due to the nature of their job in some way this didn't prove to really be a problem because i usually enjoyed the kind of drama they usually pulled this in some way actually affected my school life a bit because for one when i'd grown up quite a bit and got registered and enrolled in a high school very close to my house i was usually accompanied to school by my three brothers as at this time the three of them had already started frequenting the gym and they'd become quite a bit muscular so much so that they were already possessing intimidating auras that could make them noticeable whenever they walk into a building this was no problem initially as i thought they looked cool and all but it was later on i got to figure out and realize that following the presence of my brothers in the school almost every day I became very popular in the school and even feared. This happened because people were scared of the fact that they, my brothers, really looked like real-life bodyguards, and this in a way prevented me from making new friends amongst my peers. I hadn't noticed this initially when I'd just gotten into the school for the first few months, as I'd thought to myself that they were just being that way, seeing that I was a newcomer and all, but I still wondered for a bit as to why this was so, as I know for a fact that I'm a very social person. It wasn't until it was brought to my attention by the girl whom I would soon come to consider as my best friend and who would no sooner betray my trust. We were in the cafeteria for our lunch break and by we, I mean every student in the school and I was already used to this but I was always left alone on my own table at the cafeteria during lunch hours and this was nothing new to me but on this very day, I was approached by this very lovely and kind-hearted lady who asked if she could sit right next to me to which I most definitely did not object to. She had her seat and we got talking. She introduced herself as Sky. She was also taking the exact same classes that I was at the time, and we got talking. She was a really easygoing and cool person, and as she kept on talking, I began to find her character very intriguing and interesting. So basically, when she came down to sit beside me at my table, she had noticed prior to that day that I was being ostracized by every student in the school. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times as they had all thought I was some kind of celebrity at the time, and I was being escorted by my bodyguards every time I was coming to school, and every time I was leaving school too. I laughed the moment she said this, as it was not something I was expecting at all. I told her that I literally thought that the reason as to why everyone was trying to distance themselves from me was because of the fact that I was still a new student and that everyone was just being wary of the new student, seeing as I was always coming to school accompanied by three hefty men who seemed like bodyguards. When she heard my side of everything, she quickly burst into laughter. She laughed so loud that the entire school turned to my table as they began to wonder what was so funny. This was the first conversation I ever had with Skye, as from this moment on, we became very good friends and as the time went by we became almost inseparable it became so obvious that anywhere you were looking for sky in the school premises i was always not too far back and the same goes for her i'd even introduced her to my parents and my brothers that she was so scared of all this time and to my greatest surprise they got along really fine anyways this was not even the highlight of our then supposed friendship the true highlight was when during the incident of brad For future references, Brad is the leader of the school's lacrosse team. Upon first look, after hearing that he was the leader of the lacrosse team, you would originally have this impression that he was really handsome, with broad shoulders, a chiseled jawline and chest, and that many other girls my age were drooling over at the time. But that was not Brad one single bit. Brad was, to generally everybody very average looking as he didn't possess all those muscular features that girls my age found very attractive and sexy at the time. Probably one of the reasons why I wasn't ready to opt for a guy that every other girl was chasing was the fact that I also had brothers that were way up in the scale than the other guys were and as such I thought it was weird to be attracted to such kind of a person. Brad was what you would call my first high school crush as he was the first person I was ever attracted to in my entire life but no matter how social I was at the time, I just could not muster up the courage to even approach him, let alone hold a reasonable conversation with him. This went on for weeks on end. I would summon up a little bit of courage to try to approach him, and then I would head on over to the lacrosse field, waiting for him to show up, and when he finally did, I would immediately pack my things and try to evade him as best as possible. It didn't take too long for my best friend to notice this, and she immediately called me out on this one day while we were having a conversation about boys, and which boys in the entire school had caught our fancy. At this time, I knew where the conversation was heading to, and I didn't want to make it seem like I wasn't interested in the conversation or anything, but as soon as she asked me this question, I immediately went blank, and then she called me out on this saying that I should have told her sooner that I was interested in Brad, and that she would have helped me out in whatever little way she could either by approaching Brad on my behalf or through other methods. I immediately apologized to her and I immediately got interested in what form of help she was willing to offer me at the time. She became serious and told me that she would help by approaching Brad on my behalf and informing him about myself and just basically putting a good word for me and in the process, setting the both of us up. This seemed like a very good idea and I let her do it. She went as planned and when she came back, she did so with a number in hand, as she told me she had finalized everything and all I had to do was just call him once I'd gotten home. I was already feeling excited and I could not wait at all to get home and get right on with it. When the bell went, signifying the end of the day's session, I immediately went straight home, as I didn't even want to waste a single second before getting home. Once I got in, I ran straight to my room, locked the doors, and began practicing what I was going to say when he had finally picked the call. When I finally finished with my rehearsing, I tried calling the number, but realized that it wasn't complete, as there was a single number missing from the beginning. And when I tried to call Sky and ask her if she had collected the complete number from Brad, her number too was not reachable. I became worried, as this was the first time that her number would be unavailable. After trying it several times, I just opted to head on over to her house, seeing that it wasn't too far from my own house or anything. When I got to her place, I got welcomed by her mother at the door, who invited me in and then she told me that Skye had a visitor she was attending to upstairs. I got confused because we had just left school not up to an hour ago, and if I can recall correctly, she was still in the school when I left so it sounded improbable that she would be having a visitor, except it was somebody from school. So I just thanked her for letting me in, as I found my way upstairs to her room. When I got there, what I saw really made me literally speechless. So, apparently this is the general gist of everything that happened up until that very moment, so when Sky offered to help me get Brad's number and put in a good word for me, Turns out that she wanted him for herself, and when she went over to see him, she actually went for herself. And the number she brought back was none other than a forged number, one that she had just randomly come up with while she was on her way back from meeting with him. And as for the event that had transpired right before my eyes in her room, I met Skye making out very intimately with the guy that she most definitely knew that I had a crush on. I felt broken, betrayed, angry, and a range of some other emotions in that very moment. I just could not believe what was happening right before my eyes, and when I even tried to ask her right then and there why she would and could do such a thing, she immediately responded by saying that she just wanted to have a taste of him before releasing him to me. Those words of hers really bore deep into me that very day, as this was not what I was even expecting from her at all not even in a million years. I mean, this was somebody that I could even vouch for with my life, and this was how she decided to treat our friendship, as nothing more than a means to get absolutely petty. I just took this as the end of our relationship slash friendship, as this was the very last time we'd seen each other eye to eye, and conversed. Obviously, I was heartbroken by this, by the loss of my best friend, and the best friendship I'd ever had in my entire life and by the loss of the first guy I had a genuine crush and feeling of likeness on and for. When I got home, my brothers tried to get a better understanding of what happened and who was responsible for making me feel the way I was feeling for the past few weeks, but I chose to remain silent, as I didn't want to make things worse for her in the eyes of my brothers. I later decided to come out and tell them what really happened, as I wanted to clarify things. When my mother asked me when Sky would be coming to visit again, When they heard what really happened my brothers were furious and wanted to take immediate physical action but i stopped them saying it really wasn't worth it anymore seeing as she did it intentionally and with a clear mind and all which means that this was not something spontaneous but rather something that she'd been planning for quite a while obviously i was not my normal self but there was something i saw that made me even more furious than ever which was when i resumed back to school and I saw that she was still involved with Brad and this time she was even more open with it and even in a relationship with him. When I saw this, I just knew she was doing this all just to spite me and I was willing and ready to pay her back in her own coin. When I got home that day, I asked my brother if he knew of any way I could get back at her and the solution he came up with was one of the best ideas I've ever heard from him. So he's into the deep parts of the computer and what he did was change her entire grade to straight A's all while leaving obvious digital footprints straight down to her system at home. He did all of this in under 30 minutes and it took the school about 72 hours before they were able to track where the hack in their database came from and what was changed. When the prince had led them to Sky. They called an immediate board meeting, and the result of said board meeting was the immediate expulsion of Skye from the school, and a ban was placed on her head, preventing her from enrolling in another school for the next two years. This was punishment enough for me, as in this way I truly felt like I would gotten back at her for what she had done to me and my trust that she had broken. I'm not even going to doubt the skills of OP's older brother, But you have to agree with me when I say that the school must have had the lousiest security on their grading system if they were able to pop in and do that, even if they had extremely well-advanced knowledge of cyber-attacking and whatnot. Like it sounds like it was so bad, somebody needs to be fired for that. Either that or they paid somebody $5 to set up that grading database. That said, our next story is that one housemate that turned out to be a pain in my behind. Life in our shared house has always been an adventure, a blend of personalities and quirks that made each day unpredictable. To be honest, the diversity of personalities that existed in the house was one of the major reasons why I decided to remain in the house rather than stay with some of my other guys. There were four of us, an eclectic mix of individuals brought together by fate, or maybe just the chaos of housing arrangements in the bustling city of Bristol. First, there was me, Jeff and easygoing and affable guy, or so I like to think. My friends often teased me about my laid-back attitude, saying that I could find a silver lining in even the cloudiest of days. I had a penchant for cracking jokes and easing tension with laughter. My roommates sometimes refer to me as the resident optimist. I was the one who organized the occasional movie night and brought home the pizza for our late-night cravings. I was the cool guy, and even our neighbors knew that. It was indeed rare for me to have issues with any of the other housemates. When there were issues between the others, I was more like the go-to guy to make sure that things didn't escalate more than necessary. It was just my way of following peace with all men. then there was lily our artistic soul with her vibrant hair and an ever-changing wardrobe of eccentric outfits she was a whirlwind of creativity our house was her canvas and her art adorned every wall telling stories in vivid colors and abstract shapes she had a free spirit that brought life to our home lily had a knack for turning everyday objects into works of art and her enthusiasm for her craft was infectious But in everything I liked about Lily, what I cherished the most was her laughter. The way it echoed through the house felt like wind chimes on a breezy day to me. And opposite to Lily was Mark, our resident introvert and a self-proclaimed bookworm. His room was a sanctuary of novels, filled with shelves stacked to the ceiling with classics and obscure titles alike. He was a man of few words, but a wealth of knowledge. Late night conversations with Mark often revolved around philosophy and his insights were both intriguing and perplexing. His room was a quiet retreat where he delved into the depths of literature, seeking solace in the written word. We often admired his intellect, even though we couldn't always keep up with his deep musings. I kind of always had a feeling that he thought he was smarter than the rest of us. Maybe he was. I really didn't know. Neither did I bother to confirm. Completing our quartet was Sarah, a beacon of energy and ambition, Sarah had a contagious enthusiasm for life, always setting new goals and challenges for herself. Our shared spaces were scattered with post-it notes outlining her latest aspirations, ranging from learning a new language to running a marathon. Sarah's drive inspired us all to dream bigger. Her morning rituals included upbeat music and a daily to-do list that could rival a CEO's agenda. She was the motivator of the clan, always ready with an encouraging word or a high five to boost our spirits each of us contributed to the colorful outlook of our household whether it was lily's impromptu art shows mark's philosophical debates or sarah's infectious energy our home was a place where individuality thrived we had our quirks and idiosyncrasies but they were the threads that wove us together creating a unique and vibrant atmosphere the dynamics within our house were akin to a well-worn sitcom, with me, Jeff, serving as the easy-going protagonist who tried to keep the peace amidst the chaos. While I cherished the camaraderie we shared, little did I know that our harmonious existence was about to be tested in a way none of us could have predicted. Of the three other housemates, I was the closest to Mark. I guess it had something to do with us being the only guys, so naturally the ladies chose themselves but maybe it was because I was the only one who could actually stomach the excesses of Mark's personality. I cherished the friendship and trust I had with Mark. He and I had shared countless moments of laughter, deep conversations, and even quiet evenings in each other's company. It felt like we were cut from different fabrics that could seamlessly fit into each other's lives. Our bond was one of the cornerstones of our shared house, and I'd believed that nothing could tarnish it. It was nice to have him to talk to, and even on days when I felt down and wanted to be left alone to my thoughts, he would sit with me in the silence, understanding that that was the very thing I wanted. Mark, with his introspective nature and his vast knowledge of literature, had always been a calming presence in our home. He was the one who introduced me to the world of classic novels and philosophical discussions over lunch, or on a random day when the girls decided to join us in the shared living room. Our shared silences were as comforting as our conversations, except when his so-called philosophical stance didn't have any logic to it, and i trusted him with my thoughts and secrets. But then, the trust was shattered, and the betrayal cut deeper than I could have ever imagined. He hurt me in a way I would never have guessed correctly. The hurt ran deep, and it was this very pain that would set me on a path I never thought I'd take, the path of revenge. To him, it was just a random day and an activity without consequences. But he couldn't be farther from the truth. Now, here's one thing I might have forgotten to say when I started this. Truth is, I'm an easygoing person. I've always been. So that part wasn't a lie. But I was a bit circumventing with the whole story of my personality. You see, one thing about people who seem easygoing is that they could be extremely stubborn when the need arises. And when that comes the heavens would not be able to stop them. So maybe I wasn't a saint, and maybe I had a bit of tar on my edges. But this didn't make what I felt from Mark less hurtful, nor does it make it cool. Mark's deceit unfolded gradually, like a shadow creeping across a sunny day. It began innocently enough, with a casual conversation about our shared finances, at least in what actually concerned both of us as housemates. We had always been open about money matters, pooling resources to make our house run smoothly, I trusted Mark implicitly, believing that he had our best interests at heart. One evening, as we sat in our cozy living room, surrounded by the warmth of shared laughter, the topic of our shared savings account came up. Mark had been managing our finances, a role he had willingly taken on. It was simply that a part of our individual finances was sent to this account and kept till we needed to contribute money for certain things in the house. The point was to make it easy to come up with the money in cases of short notice. It was during this discussion that I noticed something amiss. There was something in the numbers that didn't add up. When I questioned Mark about it, he brushed it off as a simple mistake. But my gut told me otherwise, and my gut is right 8 out of 10 tries, so I decided to check it out. I delved deeper into our financial records, meticulously reviewing transactions and statements. What I uncovered sent shockwaves through me. Mark had been siphoning off money from our joint account for months, diverting it into his personal account. When I first noticed the initial transaction, it didn't ring any bell, since he told me of any debit on house maintenance at the end of each month. I thought maybe he needed it and he credited the account with the same figure after a while. There was no credit for that debit transaction. The realization hit me like a tidal wave drowning me in a sea of disbelief, anger and betrayal. As I confronted Mark, his facade of friendship crumbled. I could have sworn that he was not the one talking when the words came out of his mouth. What I expected when I went to meet him was clarifications. There had to be a reason, albeit stupid or irrational, why he chose to steal from me, but there was none. What I met from Mark was his accusations. He decided to twist the tail around and ask why I didn't trust him enough that the money was complete. His only argument was not why the money was missing, not if the money was missing. His argument was about how I thought so little of him to go behind his back to check on the record of the accounts. I expected his admission to this financial deception, his voice tainted with regret, or perhaps even regretted being caught. But there was nothing of that nature the magnitude of his betrayal was staggering it wasn't just a matter of money but a profound breach of trust that cut to the core of our friendship it was worse than when our other housemates noticed the off vibe between the both of us he conveniently forgot to tell them about how i found money missing from our account his story was how i didn't have trust in him and how he caught me going behind his back to get details of the transaction history I felt the walls of what I called our friendship crumble, leaving behind a gaping void. The anger that surged within me was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. It was a fire that consumed me, an overwhelming desire for revenge that overshadowed every other emotion. Night after night, I lay awake, my mind racing with the thoughts of payback. I couldn't eat or sleep, my days consumed by a relentless obsession to make Mark pay for his betrayal. It was as if a darkness had descended upon me, blinding me to reason and compassion. I felt justified in seeking revenge, convinced that it was the only way to heal the wounds Mark had inflicted. Then I began to meticulously plan my revenge, poring over every detail like a detective on a high-stakes case. I was driven by a need for retribution, a thirst to see Mark experience the same pain and loss that he had caused me. My previously easygoing nature gave way to a relentless determination to make him pay for his actions. The first step in my revenge plot was to expose Mark's deception to our other housemates. I wanted them to see the true nature of the person they had trusted, the wolf in sheep's clothing. I gathered evidence, meticulously, creating a timeline of Mark's financial manipulations. Then, during one of our house meetings, I laid it all out before them. Each transaction, each act of betrayal. The shock and disbelief in their eyes mirrored my own when I discovered the truth. Mark, the one we had all trusted, had been deceiving us all along. The tension in the room was palpable as we confronted him. His remorseful apologies fell on deaf ears, drowned out by the anger and hurt that surged through us. But this was only the beginning of my revenge. I wanted Mark to experience the consequences of his actions on a grander scale to feel the pain of loss just as I had. I began to carefully manipulate situations to put him in difficult positions and to make him question his choices. One evening, I orchestrated a scenario where he was publicly humiliated at a gathering of our friends. It was one thing to let the other housemates know the kind of person he was. It was another to let our mutual friends see him for who he actually was. It was a calculated move designed to tarnish his reputation and isolate him further. The satisfaction I derived from watching him squirm was intoxicating, a balm for the wounds he had inflicted on me. One evening, as my obsession with revenge reached its peak, I meticulously orchestrated a scenario that would not only expose Mark's deceit, but would also publicly humiliate him. It was a calculated move designed to tarnish his reputation and isolate him further from the friends he had once held dear. The stage for my revenge was set at a gathering of our closest friends, a group that had shared countless memories and laughter. It was the perfect setting, an unsuspecting backdrop for the unveiling of Mark's true nature. As the evening progressed, I subtly steered conversations towards financial matters, knowing that this was the Achilles heel of Mark's deception. I skillfully weaved a narrative that led our friends to inquire about our shared expenses, prompting Mark to explain his role as our financial manager. With feigned curiosity, I began to ask probing questions about our joint account, carefully guiding the discussion toward the revelation I had prepared. When the moment was right, I presented the evidence I would gathered, a meticulously constructed timeline of Mark's financial manipulations. The room fell silent as I unveiled each transaction, each act of betrayal. Gasps of disbelief filled the air as our friends realized the extent of Mark's deceit. If we had taken a vote, he would have been the least likely to be found in that kind of scenario. Mark, once the center of attraction and envy of our social circle, now stood exposed as a manipulator and a thief. His face paled and beads of sweat formed on his forehead as he stammered in a feeble attempt to defend his actions. But the damning evidence left no room for excuses or justifications. I watched with a mixture of satisfaction and vindication as our friends reacted with a mixture of shock, anger and disappointment. The camaraderie we had shared for years unraveled before my eyes, replaced by a collective sense of betrayal. But I wasn't finished yet. I had one final card to play a move that would cement Mark's humiliation and isolation. I subtly hinted at a revelation, a secret so damning that it would further tarnish his reputation. It was a calculated tease, a bait that I knew he couldn't resist. With a dramatic flare and a garnishing glint of bait in my eyes, I revealed a fabricated text message conversation, supposedly between Mark and an imaginary confidant. In this fictional exchange, Mark had boasted about his financial deceptions, betraying not only our trust but also his moral compass. The room erupted into chaos as our friends grappled with the shocking revelation. Mark's protests fell on deaf ears as his credibility crumbled before him. The humiliation was palpable, a weight that pressed down on him as he struggled to salvage what remained of his reputation. I revelled in the chaos, the satisfaction of watching Mark squirm, intoxicating and overwhelming. It was a moment of sweet vindication, a balm for the wounds he had inflicted on me. The desire for revenge, which had consumed me for so long, seemed justified in that instant. But even as I relished in Mark's public humiliation, a nagging feeling tugged at the edges of my conscience. The darkness that had consumed me was now spreading to those around me, staining the very friendships I'd sought to protect. As I looked around at the shattered bonds and the devastation my revenge had wrought, I couldn't help but wonder if the price of payback was too steep. Little did I know that the consequences of my actions were far from over and the true cost of revenge was yet to be fully realized. As the consequence of my revenge plot continued to unfold, I became consumed by a darkness that seemed to grow with each act of retribution. My once harmonious household was now a battleground, with me at the center of the storm. The lines between right and wrong blurred, and I justified my actions by convincing myself that I was merely giving Mark a taste of his own medicine. But deep down, beneath the rage and the desire for revenge... I couldn't escape the nagging feeling that I was losing a part of myself, the very traits that had defined me. My easy-going nature, my affable personality were slipping away, replaced by a relentless pursuit of vengeance. I looked in the mirror one morning, I didn't recognize the person staring back at me. The one smiling face had become hardened, the eyes filled with a cold determination. It was then that I realized the true cost of my revenge. I had become a person I despised. Someone consumed by anger and bitterness. The pain of Mark's betrayal had been replaced by a different kind of pain. The pain of losing myself. I'd become so fixated on making him pay that I'd lost sight of who I was. The revenge that had once seemed so sweet now tasted bitter in my mouth. At that moment, I wasn't concerned with the series of backlash that I got from Mark, because he did try to get even with me. It was not just easy for him to do, yet I was consumed by the way the whole plot unfolded. To be honest, as I recount this experience, I still think there was a better way to end the whole issue. Maybe I shouldn't have called him out in the manner I did. Maybe I should have just let it all slide. And for the last maybe, maybe I shouldn't have moved out of the house that month after I failed to recognize myself in the mirror. Well, I guess this is a warning tale of not letting yourself get too caught up in revenge. In some situations, you feel like you need to have that revenge, but God forbid you let getting that revenge become only who you are. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.